another season in the books the podcast featuring european professional athletes who pursue their university degrees at home or in the united states we'll talk about the ups and the downs the pros and the cons we'll hear from each athlete as they talk about their journey through academics and athletics i'll also be talking to coaches and getting their opinion on the subject as well i'm your host leslie knight 11-year veteran in Spain's professional basketball leagues, Liga Femenina 2 and La Liga Endesa. Let's get to it! Azania Stewart left her home in Great Britain at a young age to cross the pond and live in Virginia, where she went to high school and played basketball. She helped lead her high school team to numerous victories, putting them on the national radar of teams to watch. She went on to play AAU basketball for the well-known club, Boo Williams, where she captured the attention of quite a few college coaches. In the end, Z decided on becoming a Gator and played for four years at the University of Florida. During her four years of college basketball, Z maintained her commitment to her national team, helping Great Britain reach the Olympic Games in 2012. After graduating, Z continued her basketball career playing professionally in places like Spain, Latvia, and Australia in the Commonwealth Games. Zia is now in her second year of retirement from professional sports, but still remains close to the game. Just this past summer, Azania was FIBA's color commentator for the Women's AfroBasket Games in Senegal. And this February, from the 5th to the 10th, you can tune in and listen as she helps commentate the women's Olympic qualifiers taking place in Serbia. The USA will be there, along with the national teams from Mozambique, Nigeria, and, of course, Serbia. All right, on with the show. Good morning, Z. Thank you for being here with me today. How's it going? Thank you, Leslie. I'm doing really well. Woke up in Denver, Colorado this morning, so I'm happy Uh to be with you. I know. You are my first Skype interview with eight hours of difference. It's 5.07 or yeah, 5.07 in the afternoon here in Spain. And it's what time there? Um, 9.07. Yeah. So I woke up nice and early for you. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Is it snowing? Do you have snow on the floor or on the ground Um, out there? No, not today. We did have like a little flurry uh, yesterday. Hopefully we have a white Christmas, but Um, No, it hasn't snowed in a a few weeks, but it's sure coming and it's getting cold. Yeah, but Colorado's that great state where it's cold and it snows and then the next day it's like warm and it all goes away. Yeah, it melts really quickly and the sun is always out because we're high altitude. So it's actually a pretty cool place to live. Nice. Well, Z, will you tell me about your first memory related to sports? Um, See, my first memory was playing all sports when I first went to high school in England um you try everything so you do athletics so I was a a runner which I definitely wasn't good at Um, (laughs) I played football which is soccer um I played you know a sport called netball which really got me into playing basketball it's kind of like basketball it's a it's a I don't think anywhere in Europe plays it but I know the commonwealth countries like Australia Canada play it and Jamaica um, but I played netball first and that kind of transitioned me into basketball. So my first real true memory was trying out everything and trying to find out what I liked, what I, I didn't like, what I was good at, what I was awful at. But I was truly awful at basketball because I was having a growth <laughs> spurt. So I was I started basketball at 14, no, 13, 14, and I was six foot four by 16. So. Wow in two three years I had this massive growth spurt and trying to figure out how to be in my body learn how to use it successfully and um and basketball was awful I couldn't catch I couldn't really run my you know I was just just a gangly person running up and down (laughs) so that was my first memory I think um so netball real quick for all the listeners from the states that have no idea what you're talking about and have never looked it up on youtube um, it's like a rim that's high up in the air with no backboard, right? Right. So it's still 10 foot. It's just like basketball, no backboard. It has seven players on each team. So 14 people. It's the same size as the basketball court. Um, but it's just cut up different. It's cut up into three, uh, quarters on the floor. 
and uh, certain players can go certain places. So you can't dribble the ball, but you can take two steps. So you can take your two step and you can pass or you can, the shooters in the certain places. So it's kind of like basketball, but you can't go up and down. You have to stay in your segments of the court. Uh-huh. So it really taught me, it really taught me the team aspect because you need all seven players to win, to score and to get the ball to the other side. So it really taught me how to be a good passer, be a good teammate. So that's where it really originated from my team aspect. Do you shoot the ball the same way you shoot a basketball? Um, I have had a basketball teammate who plays netball now, actually, and she is a shooter and she does shoot it. But you actually, she shoots it like a basketball, but you don't. You put the ball above your head, straight arms, and you bend your knees and you kind of like flick it in with both hands, if huh. that makes sense. So, but I have a basketball player who played basketball first and then she moved over to netball and is a shooter and she shoots like basketball. So shooting like basketball, I think is is cool because it's like shooting a swish you know what I mean no hitting any backboard it's just perfect ball goes through the rim so you can shoot it like a basketball but it's not the way they teach it yeah because I've seen YouTube videos and I've seen some videos where it's um men and women playing on the same team yeah it's just fun I think like they launch it like they literally launch it from a long ways away and I'm like, wow, you have to be really precise to get it in because there's no, I mean, it's just a circle. Like there's no yeah. back or nothing. It, it's impressive. Yeah. So that they, there is a semicircle, which I would say is just, is like the old three point line. I would say that's how big it is. So you're shooting from that far away with no backboard. So you either get it in or it's a complete air ball. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. And all these sports that you were kind of experimenting with, was this just through school? Yeah, it was just from school. Um, You just kind of have PE lessons and classes and after school activities. And I was really, I had all my friends did it and we all just kind of hung out. And that's where even today, most of my good best friends are from school and from these teams that I played on. So it was real a social thing. You know, there were some people who hated PE and hated sports, but I I, li- I liked it. Um, I just didn't know which way I was going to go, what I really got into. So, yeah, it wasn't until I was 13, 14, I started basketball. Did you come from an athletic family or a sports-oriented family? Um, I did, actually. My mum played netball, so that's how I knew about oh. netball. And then my dad, um, he only rides, he rides a bicycle and he swims. So he was nothing basketball related or sports like that. He just loved his bike. So I grew up riding my bike and going to my mum's weekend game. She played for like the county or whatever. Um, Uh And so they were both, you know, athletic, but nothing like basketball. I never knew what basketball was until I got to you know, high school, um, I never had seen the NBA. I'd never seen any of that stuff until um, I really moved to America when I was 16. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't start playing basketball until you were about, what'd you say, 13, 14? Yeah. yeah 13, then yeah. you just said, you just said that you went to the States when you were 16. Um, so that's a very short amount of time. And I'm assuming you specifically went to the States for basketball. Right. So I played for three, like three, four years, all in all. And within that time, I was playing for my country under 16 and under 18, actually. Um, So I got I got pretty good. I wasn't as good as I I am. Well, I don't play anymore now. I'm retired. But I I wasn't as good as I, I am now. But I had the great basics. Also, I was so tall. There was not a lot of six foot four girls of my height who was, you know, I, it's, I struggled at the beginning, but once I was about 15, 16, I was great. I could catch, I could shoot, you know, as a post player. So um, I decided to really pursue my career. And it was like, it's like, it's true, you know, like the American dream. That's what I felt like if I wanted to really go somewhere with basketball and have a, a career, I had to move to America. So at 16, yeah, I, um, I left my family and moved to a high school in Virginia. Um, and that's where it started. Yeah. How did they recruit you or how, I mean, be, obviously you were on the, 
under 17, under 18 national team, but well, yeah. this was when 16. So uh, somebody from the state saw you and said, Hey, want to come over and play for our high school? I mean, we're not even talking about college yet, but yeah. So there was, there was actually my best friend. Um, we weren't best friends then until this moment, but her and another guy, there had been like two or three English guys who had gone to this. It was actually a private school in Virginia um and so there was some English people one from London and then the rest from up north in Manchester area they had already gone two years and a year prior to me so that's how they this guy this coach kind of knew about us and asked this one lady like hey do you have any others or like where is it and he came to like the tournaments and like so that's how we kind of were able to go um but we lived with his mum the first year I, I lived one hour away from school so I used to hour commute in and hour commute out so it was quite tough um but that's how I found out about the school there was some English players already there um yeah so there was a group of us who lived with his mother and we played basketball obviously went to school there um and then my second year I thankfully got a host family who offered for me to live with them and I lived like 10 minutes away from the school so that really changed my uh you know my time and experience because I was traveling I had to wake up super early to get to school and then we were training practicing and then I would get home super late because it's an hour drive home right and you're a very social person so right (laughs) yeah (laughs) that schedule was not really ideal not really ideal for me but there was a big group of us that lived at his mother's house so it was fun there was four four girls on the team so that was the social part of us just hanging out at the house and doing our homework and like it was weird it was hard I felt like it was hard because I do feel like you do mature quicker in Europe in the fact of not that I was out partying and drinking at this young age, but it's more socially acceptable to, you know, have a wine or a beer with your family or to have a drink with your friends. Um, so when I moved to America, I just thought I, it would be like that, but it's 21. And so to right. have a social drink or to have a social go out and, you know, hang out with your friends, it was really difficult because one, you needed to drive, of which I didn't have a car or have a license. And two, you have to be 21 to drink. So I really felt like I got belittled's the wrong word, kind of like pushed, made younger again. Right, like you had gone back in time. I had gone back in time, so I really struggled, and not until I moved to my host family where I had a bit more freedom. I got a job, I, you know, I got worked, got my little pocket money, was able to be more out with my friends. Um, really changed kind of my my life. Right. And not to mention the fact that in London, where you had been living, I'm sure that the public transportation, you could probably go anywhere you wanted. Right. We could get a bus or a train. My, I was a pretty good kid. So I always was allowed to go wherever I really particularly wanted. Always was out with my friends. So it was difficult. I, my first year moving was my hardest year. I think not only that aspect, which I talked about, but just like the food and the traveling and how they ate and it was just weird it was it was hard it was definitely my my hardest year um, did you ever think about did you ever think about going back home no that was not an option going back home was not an option um and it's funny because now when I talk to kids and like you know I mentor different basketball players or whatnot and I talk to them about you know I think you should at least try going to college not a lot of kids go to high school anymore they do their high school in England or Europe and then they go straight to college in America but I always say Mm -hmm. it's you'll be absolutely fine because now look how we're talking we're talking through the Skype we're talking through FaceTime there's messaging there's Instagram there's all this social life through the phone where when I moved Leslie I moved in 2005 and I was writing letters home I was writing letters (laughs) to my best like it makes me feel so old but I was long distance calling which cost a lot of money and you know I I didn't really I didn't have enough money to afford either those calling cards or pay that bill for my family I lived with so I was writing letters home so it's a whole different ballpark of now when you leave and when you you know try a new experience doesn't even have to be going to college but just traveling in itself I'm like try it do it and if it doesn't work out and you don't like it you can always come back 
And that's how I found life of when I left for America. Everyone was doing the same thing. And I wasn't missing out on anything. The only thing I missed out on was like, you know, birthday parties and and new babies and weddings. I missed out on that part. But everyday life, everyone was doing the same thing. So mm-hmm. I always tell people, you know, it's so much easier now with the with the FaceTime, with the Skype, with actually communicating. I had no communication. So it was really lonely. It was just my friends in that house. Yeah, I, I really can't even imagine that. Um, but so you did your what, your junior year and your senior year? Yeah, I actually reclassified. I, my body wasn't ready. So I did my sophomore year, my junior and my senior. So I did one extra year. Um, I managed to push myself back because not only the changing of school, but I wouldn't be ready for college in two years. And I was in a really good program at high school and great AAU, which is the summer basketball. I was in a great team. Both those teams were really, you know, excelling my my skills and pushing me and putting me on a great platform to really be highly recruited so So you did did three years of high school yeah I did okay and then you stayed the summers there and played AAU yeah I sure did what was the name of your AAU team uh Boo Williams Uh yeah he's a famous guy yeah, so I, I definitely. With, I was playing with him, and that was a, a whole different new experience because I was meeting these other girls of my age and my height and experience. So I was meeting them, which was awesome. Which I'm still friends with some to this day. But his prestigious, you know, platform was bringing big time. Co- every everyone on my team, I think there was 12, 14 of us. Everyone went to a high D1 school. So just playing for him alone brought the attention to me. Mm-hmm. so that was great I really I'm, I'm really happy that experience went that way and with my high school we were top five in the nation so yet again we we're in the papers we we're getting more recognition people coming to watch us so it was great it was a real yeah. wonderful time and opportunity where some people don't really get that so I've been quite fortunate in my journey uh-huh. of, of where I am today so when you originally came, when you were 16, did you already, were you already aware of college basketball and like getting a scholarship? Not really, not really, not till my second year, not till my junior year, my sophomore year, I was just there living my, my life, living my dream. And then <laughs> obviously my coach started because sophomore year, I don't really think you're allowed any real communication or real you know, they're not allowed to send you official letters or call you until you like your end of your junior. I don't remember. It's a long time ago now, you know, Les. <laughs> uh, but, you know, around that junior year was when I started. But also my household, I lived with this guy called Mike Teasley and his sister was a pro baller. She was in the WNBA. She was called Nikki Teasley. She played with Lisa Leslie with the late um, with the Sparks. And uh-huh. then the Mystics. So I used to go watch her and see... Um, you, you know Elena Beard she played for Salamanca yeah, yeah that's that she's still killing it first of all but she played with her and that's when I first started seeing the WNBA I started seeing the Spurs at, because that was their favorite team in the house and it was on TV basketball's never on TV and still to this day really in England it's not really on TV so I had never been exposed to it the way I was when I moved uh when I was 16. So, so that's Sorry. Go ahead. Who helped you um, navigate the recruiting process? Because I'm sure that was a world, just an unknown world for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, my, my high school coach, he was a really great guy. He had experience in a lot of these aspects because he went through it with his sister. Nikki Teasy went to North Carolina. So he was in the game at least 10 years coaching but also dealing with coaches he had great relationships with these coaches as well so he helped me but when I moved to my um host family I just started I had you know bin bags trash bags of uh letters of all these schools who were recruiting me and I really wanted to go to a small school I don't know why in my head I had this you know big fish little pond type thing I thought oh you know I can I can handle a small school I can't go to a big school because I had been to University of Maryland and seen how like massive it was and I was like I just can't do that but then 
my when I started getting recruited, I got recruited by UNC Charlotte, which was my the head coach was Amanda Butler. And I mm. loved it. I thought, you know, small school, nice set of people. The coaches were amazing, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm getting ready to sign, you know, early because I wanted to be done early. Um, but she calls me. I remember I was in the school office at high school and she calls me and she goes, hey, um, so, you know, I'm a coach at UNC Charlotte. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about coming. She's like, well, I just got fired. And I was like, huh? She's like, but I just, but I just got hired at the University of Florida, and that was her alma mater. That was where she played college ball, and Mm. she was like, "Are you still interested?" So my school, my small school mindset went to a huge school mindset very, very (laughs) quickly. Um, I did take my. uh, You're allowed to take five, I think, official visits. I don't know if that's the same now, but I took four. And I always recommend taking at least two to three so you can compare and contrast yeah. because school is basketball is your life. You've been there. You've been to Minnesota University where you're so consumed of basketball, basketball, basketball. But when you have that second to have your own life or your own minute to breathe and do something fun, what is that school the place that you want to be and live and, and right. be there? 24 7 so I took four visits in the end Florida was one of them but yeah so that's how I kind of went through the process and took my time but I had great great people around me I like that you mentioned that because I think there are some European players who end up deciding on a school without taking any visits and I think visiting a school is key yeah yeah and you can feel the the campus life like floor I so I took four visits <clears throat> excuse me I went to uh, University of Florida I went to the U which is Miami University I went to two Virginia schools I went to Virginia Tech and University of Virginia because I lived there and so my host mom wanted me to go there so bad she was like please and they're prestigious but I took those visits but I felt like I was done with Virginia and ready to move on but I took four visits and mm-hmm each school you get to feel you know what their traditions are what they you know how the school vibe is of you know why I love Florida is because not only it was a great winning school the men's basketball had just won the back-to-back championships the previous years but all the community of the teams were a, a great experience when I was there we had like a kind of um a council a school council which I was on but it was within sports and Uh every sport said hey we're playing um Tennessee on the 15th that's our biggest game of the season and all the sports would show up football men's basketball lacrosse swimming everyone so everyone put in their date hey this is the game this is the meet this is the track whatever and we would rock up and it was unreal, the support and the, you know, sisterhood or the brotherhood of being an athlete was a real big part of Florida. And that's why I love that school, not only for my basketball experience, but for my life outside of it. Right. It's everything that goes into it. And not to mention that when you go on your official visit, you get to meet the players as well. Yeah. So what was happening is... Um, when I went there, obviously she was a new coach and so they had fired their old coach. So those players were not her players. So I was going to be her new, her first set of recruits. So what mm. she did, she gave me, you know, you usually have like a buddy um, when you go to your recruits. She gave me the senior. So why she did that, usually they would give you a sophomore or a junior, but she gave me a senior so she could tell me and show me and you know expose everything about the school because yes my coach had gone to school there but it was many years ago so she was just as new as I was so she Mm. gave me the senior uh, player to show me and to you know show me what Florida's all about because she hadn't played under Butler at all Mm -hmm. Um, and so you decide you sign you decide to be a Gator um, how was the adjustment as far as um, school and like balancing sports with your studies? It was very difficult at first. Um, 
I think it's because it was so it was different you know I had never had to be at 6 a.m workout in the morning and be at an eight o'clock class I had never done that in high school so I think that adjustment was different um and then just my eating habits they call this thing called the freshman 15 <laughs> on 15 pounds because you are just you're eating so much more you are hungry you are having you know I would wake up in the morning do my cardio and weights at 6 a.m and then I would go to class you know you have to eat lunch you might have an individual of shooting or something like this and then you might have a quick nap and boom you're into team practice then you're into team practice you have film after then you're running to dinner then you're running to 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 a study hall which where you know you see your tutors and you study for your classes so for me yet again it was the time management I had to nail time management of Maybe I, I'm I'm traveling with my lunch. I'm having a snack, so I'm walking to my dorm so I can eat and then sleep right away. And or I'm having my snack ready there for once I wake up to go to practice. So it was really adjusting to really taking care of your time. You can't, you know, BS anything. You can't skip anything. You've got to be on it. So I think it teaches you very very quickly. Um, right that it's a full-time job and now I'm seeing you know in the NCAA you can get paid of out of your likeness and blah 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 and I kind of I think it's a fine line and they're gonna it's gonna take a while to get it down but I think it's a great idea because you truly can't work you can't make money and so if you're not from a you know a family that can't afford to send you money or to look after you where do you make your money like in high school I had a little job I used to work in a little in a hotel and so that could pay for my phone bill that could pay for you know me going to the movies or having a social life in college your social life is basketball you wake up you eat you sleep and you drink basketball and through that season you don't have a social life I I never went out because we played on Sundays so you couldn't Mm -hmm. go out on a Saturday so that however many months that season is you are dedicated to the game and so I think now you know being able to being paid or you know just being supported better um because people think oh you know you've got a scholarship how but scholarship only pays for my my school and where I live and books and yeah you get fed and stuff like that but there is moments where you know what if it's 11 o'clock at night and you don't have the 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 training table the lunch hall to be open at 11 what what what, you know where do you get fed and so Mm -hmm. I think it is a fine balance of this likeness of because you know basketball and football American football are the biggest sports they are Mm -hmm. the money makers so what if you're not playing but anyway that's a whole entire different conversation (laughs) but yeah um yeah so I think my time management was truly what got me through it through my freshman year once I learned how to get to study hall on time get out of there eat be in bed be ready for morning workouts um I had a much better experience yeah did you end up staying the summers to do summer school and continue training or did you go home yeah so I did both so my team was supposed to be they were mandatory was summer b which was there was three sections through the summer but I never did summer b with my team I always had to do summer a not only to get my classes but to work out but summer b I played with my national team I played for Great Britain so Uh. my coach my coach was nice enough and understood that I had to leave and it was the four years running up to the Olympic Games 2012 so every summer I did summer A with the soccer team because the basketball went home and then they came in B and I left. So I always wasn't there with the team, which my coach understood um, and knew that, you know, one, it was a priority for my my own goals to get to the Olympic Games. But also I was coming back better because not only had I played through the summer, but I was playing women, you know, I was playing grown women who had been in the game for a very long time. So it was definitely helping my game. Right. Um, Do you think if you wouldn't have gone to college in the United States and you would have stayed in Europe, could you have, would it have been possible to play professionally and get your college degree? 
Yeah, it is. It is possible. I don't know back then if it was, but now it is. There's, there's, you know, we have a small professional league in England, and it's you get paid in um your masters or a degree. So that it, it is possible. Would I have done it? I'm not sure. That wasn't my staying in England wasn't my option. So yes, it it's possible. But if I stayed in England, I actually wanted to be a firefighter. But that wasn't gonna happen either I did not know that yeah yeah so that was my dream if I stayed but it wasn't my it wasn't the option Les like I knew I had to make it and you know I was the first person in my family to go to university so it was kind of like I was pushing every boundary possible and I I couldn't fail so America was where it was I guess I was just curious, like if you had friends that decided to continue playing back home and study at the same time, just because I know playing and studying in Europe is so different because your professors, they don't really care and they're not obligated to change uh, an exam, let you take it early, let you take it late. Um, They don't care if you're traveling for a game because you're not there. You're there to study. You're not there to do both things because usually your club is something separate. Right. Yeah, it's very difficult. But I felt like in America sometimes they didn't, the teachers didn't care either because they're like, I'm not giving you special privileges. Like, figure it out. You know, some teachers were very, you know, caring and and willing to change things. Or you know, hey, could I take my test on the road, which I did a lot. Um, hey, can I take this early? Hey, can I take it late? Some would say no. So I'm missing a test or I'm missing a certain chapter or whatever. And I've got to figure out how to make it up. So not only in Europe, in America, I felt like some teachers didn't care either. But overseas, that's it. You have to figure out managing your time. What's important? Uh-huh. You know, where do, does it mean you have to wake up earlier to study? Does it mean you have to wake up earlier to, you know, eat or go to bed later? It's a, definitely a big sacrifice. Okay. It does surprise me a little bit to hear you say that because I just assumed you know, at any university that the teachers are pretty much obligated to, um, to help you out as far as rescheduling and whatnot. And obviously your academic advisor also tries to schedule your classes so that you'll be able to uh, assist or, um, attend, you know, and not miss, but. Yeah. But that's it. Also, it kind of, I had a really smart teammate who's now she's a doctor still, um, but there was lots of things that she couldn't do because that class dropped at 3.30 and that's when we practiced. Wow. So it really changes what you truly like. Some people are not going to play professional after college, you know, and especially with the men's game. They're one and done. But for the women's game it's four years, you know, so to truly get out what you want to do is difficult also because classes are at prime time and prime time is basketball time so right it's, it's difficult it's difficult um but yeah it can be done it's just yeah. it's just with a lot of help I think do you know um this is kind of just a a random question but do you know of any basketball players from England that went over to the states for college and that have since then gone back to England and and got into a real job like does their degree in the states transfer back to England or do, do they have to get it like certified or something like that no I think it it transfers over I think it's pretty good yeah as long as you have your certificate it's legit but also it, you people don't realize that um athletes are um employers want to employ athletes because they are hard working they do understand the um aspect of teamwork and you know leadership so athletes are without your degree or not they're very um, employable because of what they've gone through and for when you compare it to a day-to-day person who just wakes up for their nine to five and you compare to what an athlete's done it's it's no comparison I would hire an athlete over anyone plus you've got the degree um I think you know I think employers are really looking for athletes Mm -hmm. looking back on your experience would you do it all over again 
yeah I would do it all over again 100% do I think it's aged me yes because four years of not only I was an extreme because I was playing with my national team also so I did four years back to back no break basketball I played college ball I left college did some I did summer school sorry and then I went straight to my national team left my national team boom straight into season for four years so I definitely think it aged me but do I think it made me who I am and what my who I was as a player absolutely would I do it over again would I go to Florida yes so it was it really shaped me and molded me to be the professional player I was Mm mm-hmm Tell us real quick, uh, if you can, just what it was like going to the Olympics and representing Great Britain. Uh, unreal is the real answer, but um, it was a four-year process, obviously, getting there. But then once we like qualified, it was real a two-year grind of we had the ticket in our pocket and we knew we were going. So coming up to that two years into the last year, my lifestyle changed you know I loved a cake I loved a glass of wine and I loved (laughs) you know ice cream and I ate very very well but I literally I stripped all of it I would say at least I would say about 15 16 months like this no candy no alcohol and just eating lean and working out like crazy um to get my body to where it was um but to play the olympics not only be in the olympics but it was in my hometown of london was probably the biggest part because for my family to come and watch me um especially my dad uh to see me as an olympian even though we didn't win a medal um it's an amazing achievement it's a part of you you can't take that away from me you know so a great great experience living in the um in the Olympic Village, playing the best, um, you know, our warm-up game versus USA, that was amazing. So it was great. We didn't win a medal, but then I went on to the Commonwealth Games, which is I played for England, not Great Britain, and I won a silver medal there. And that probably topped my experience of the Olympic Games because stepping on a podium to receive a medal is an unbelievable feeling as well that I didn't have at the Olympic Games. Yeah. Yeah. I've got goosebumps right now just listening to you. (laughs) I mean, to to be able to say, to just be able to say that I'm an Olympian. um, Wow. You know, just how proud your family must have been. And I'm picturing Daddy Dexter right now watching you, (laughs) you know, and I'm almost like got tears in my eyes. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Daddy Dexter was hilarious because, um, I was in the paper, so on the underground, on the tube, on the metro, they have a local paper, and he opens the paper on the way to my game, and there I am, and actually there was a small picture of him with, in a family picture of myself, and yeah, and he opens it, and he, apparently he turns to the guy next to him, who he obviously doesn't know, and he's like, (laughs) oh my gosh, this is my daughter, look at this, this is me, look, (laughs) and uh, yeah, so that was, it was true, for him, I think, and he obviously you were at my wedding as well but his his speech at my wedding he said you know when you were born I knew you were something great and it came in the form of the Olympic Games but having that you know really making those dreams come true and seeing you know fruition and it come to light was amazing yeah well in talking about your dad you said before he likes to bike and for those that are listening it's not like he just likes to bike around the neighborhood when we were playing it when we were playing in Logroño in Spain, he literally biked from great from London all the way down to Spain, all the way yeah. to Sevilla, I think. Yeah, because he was in Pamplona, wasn't he? They rode to Pamplona and then yeah, yeah, he's a hardcore. He loves it. He's actually in Jamaica right now riding the whole of Jamaica. So I bet he is. He's a hardcore rider. <laughs> he's not riding around the neighborhood. That is quite funny. Oh. Uh, yeah. So he loves that. So that's well. And your mom, maybe she doesn't bike as much, but man, when she came to visit us, her cooking was off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> she definitely <laughs> I gotta get her props too. Yeah, she came. She came to Lagrania, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. With and your she, grandma. Yeah, and chefed up a nice meal. Wow. <laughs> Great times, Les. That's can you believe that's already like four years ago? 
No, I really can't. It's gone yeah. by so fast. It's but um, uh, before we finish up here, I'm also curious, and you know, I just love the cultural tidbits of people's experiences. As a person from London with your accent, when you came to the U.S., uh, like for a lot of people, you were probably the first person that they had ever met from London. Correct. Yeah, I had definitely some... I wouldn't, I would like, I don't know, ignorant or I didn't, you know, like, oh, you speak English? I'm like, yeah, you got it from <laughs> us. Like, what? You know, definitely just people who hadn't really, I found that a lot in America that Americans stay within America where Europe, we are able to travel, you know, we can drive if we want to drive to Spain, we can drive to France, like you don't need to fly. So I felt that Americans hadn't really traveled a lot. So when I spoke about my experiences of flying to different places or living in different places, they were like a bit flabbergasted, like, what? Like you've been there? And I'm like, yeah. And so um, I think also it helped because, you know, England is, we do speak English. So for other foreigners who, you know, English is their second language and is maybe learning and struggling. I think that that's what they're a bit nervous about because when you do move to America, it's they speak very fast, even myself. Um, so it's a definitely a big transition. But yeah, some people, you know, I think London is a popular place. And but I, I had one guy say, "Is is that Eiffel Tower there?" I'm like, no, no. <laughs> like, get get Google out, get a book out. Like no. <laughs> Um, so I found like some Americans were a bit, you know, naive and very, but like, I found like even the East Coast people who live on the coast don't go to the West Coast and vice versa. They, they stick with who they, where they're from. But I kind of get it because there's so many natural beauties, you know, Minnesota and it's 10,000 lakes <laughs> or, you know, the, the falls or, you know, the West Coast <laughs> beaches. So I get there are so many beautiful places within so I would like Americans to experience all of that that's why I guess get why they don't leave but then you know they stick to their coasts but yeah so I think it was more just telling my experiences and my stories that it is fun and even it was amazing you didn't come with us did you when we when we were in Spain and um Anna who's from Croatia Robin from America and and Rome's from um, Australia they came to London with me and experienced that you know not only it was a quick flight um, but they got to try something different a different culture but spoke English so it was very easy for them to transition but yeah Yeah. so I was was glad I got to take them with me so they could see one where I live but to try something different Mm mm-hmm the beauties of sports and athletics and the people you meet and just the doors that opens and the connections you make. But um, what you're saying about the language, a lot of the interviews that I've done have been with Spaniards and their experience going to the United States has been a little different because they have to pass an English test and they have to take the SAT and the ACT. Like I'm assuming you also had to take the SAT and the ACT, but you probably didn't have to take any sort of English test to prove you know, your level. Um, oh did they did they have to take an English test to prove it right yeah people from Spain or Germany or wherever they're from they have to I think it's called the TOFL or something like that the TOEFL and they have to get a certain mark or a certain grade um, and the university will then admit them to their university but you know because you you can't show up without knowing any English Um, you have to have a certain level so yeah I think that's new but maybe it's not new and I, it's just because I spoke English so they assumed right. that my, my English is fine but I definitely took the ACT and the SAT. SAT I really struggled with because it wasn't really a very good like vocab and I, we never really did that at school um, so uh-huh. I struggled with that. I did take it twice and then I took the ACT which was more like maths and science based which I was better at and mm. um and I actually passed, I think I needed a 19 because SAT is like 1500, 1700, like mad big <laughs> numbers where the ACT is smaller numbers. And I think I needed a 19 to get into Florida and I got a 22 or a 23, something like that. So um, 
I managed to pass it that way. But I definitely took both tests and they're very tedious. And I think they're unfair because no adult could even, uh, you know, withstand many, many hours taking this awful test. But hey, <laughs> whatever they they want. But yeah, so I took I took the SAT twice to try and get the best grade. And then I did the ACT once and passed and got into Florida. Yeah. Um, all right. So real quick, before we sign off, can you just tell us as you're talking about, um, you know, traveling and opening up to the world and all this stuff, I just couldn't help but think about the first time we met each other. <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, yeah, but do, do you remember because the team had told you that you would be riding the bus with another teammate? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> wow. So, at this point, at this point, I had already been in Spain for maybe six years or so. And so my Spanish was pretty decent. Um, and I already kind of knew Madrid and I had been living there for four years. So I was I got on the bus at a different metro stop and then we were going to the airport to pick you up. And and what oh happened? Gosh, remember? Yes, Leslie, I was caught. Wasn't I messaging you or calling you? I'm like, where wasn't it like <laughs> this story of like American what was the name of the, uh, the you called, yeah you actually I think called me on my phone we had never met each other let alone talk to each other ever and you'd called me and I answered my phone and you were like Leslie and I said yeah and you're like where are you the bus is here we're waiting for you like and I'm like <laughs> hey, I'm already on the bus I got on it Avenida de America <laughs> yes you were you were thinking what was going through your mind like who is this girl well I was just worried because uh, I was looking for you and I was like I know there's another teammate and I was looking and Spain is predominantly a short country so I was walking around I'm like I'll see this girl she's gonna be tall I know she's a post player <laughs> and I don't see Leslie so I'm like you know forget this I'm gonna call her because here comes the bus and she's still not here and she's like, yeah, I got on Aberdeen America. I was like, yeah, but where are you? <laughs> but obviously like, I didn't understand. And your what Spanish was so accent? perfect. Oh, my gosh. That was what cracked me up. Your your accent was so perfect. And I just thought, oh, typical American. Why is she trying to be flashy and show off like, Aberdeen America. Aberdeen America. And I was like, shut up. Where are you? Like, are you going to get this bus or not? But that was great. So then we rode what three hours or however long it was. Four from, hours. Yeah, four hours from Madrid to La Grenia, and we just chatted our whole lives away, and we ended up living <laughs> together as well. So every that was a really honestly, I was so thankful for those times because not only did I live with Leslie, I lived with two other girls who were from one was American, one was Croatian, but. Our sisterhood and our friendship and our love for the game in that one house was unreal. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like we had a rookie who was who was Anna, who was her first time. Not only her English wasn't great, but it was her first team. I think we set the bar way too high because that's not how usually overseas life is really. But right. that time and luckily we had to do it. We got, you know, got to do it again the following year. But one of my best experiences Leslie you know learning so much from each other cooking and you know there is a lot of um I, I don't know if it's ego but it is very hard to share your space not only with one woman but with four and we respected each other's time space and food and you know and I thought that was a wonderful time in my life that and look and we're still friends to this day so just, yeah. Yeah, completely 100% agree. That was a great year. I mean, four women in an apartment, almost each of us practically from a different country. Um, it was, uh, it was, we lived in harmony, surprisingly. Yeah, we really did. And it was cool because, you know, we usually it is very yourself, but that's how the professional life is. You do look after yourself, but then you, you, come into the team and you mold yourself into the team where I felt like we were a team and a family at home like you know you would cook your different garbanzo beans or whatever <laughs> it was you know you cooked your things that you liked and we tried and I did my things and I baked and then you know Les um Anna brought Croatian dishes and we all 
immersed each other's cultures within the household which I think is really cool because a lot of people don't do and I feel especially Americans don't do because they're very nervous and don't want to try a lot of things and um, uh-huh. so I thought that is that was wonderful in itself of us one living together as as a family and a crew and uh-huh. to enjoying each other's company and our lifestyles and what we ate and what we liked and what we didn't like and it was yeah. Great. yeah. I oftentimes think about the benefits of being an athlete because in how many other jobs are you able to really get to know people from other cultures and live with that person? Um, people that, you know, you might not be friends with if it weren't for sports. Mm. So, yeah, all my friends, other than my first, you know, my high school in England, but those still my best friends now to this day, you know, Petunia, Rosanna, she, from, <laughs> she was from my sports team. You know, all my friends um, from home are from my sports teams. The friends that I've gained through basketball or whoever I lived with or on my team. And I have a, a plethora of friends on those teams to this day. And I've, I'm now retired from the game, but yourself you know the crew roams all all my teammates from Latvia I'm still in contact with and showed who turned up to my wedding which was a beautiful thing so yeah uh, something that that's a day I will not easily forget (laughs) that was amazing Les we're already into like seven months ago or something like this like how has it gone that quick but I'm so thank you so much for you know making that effort and Uh joining me on my special day um, I'm a married woman now and so are you but <laughs> great we've come a long way and so I'm happy to still be in your life and us to have a moment like this where we can ex- share experiences and tell people you know our stories that hopefully will help somebody else along the way hopefully exactly well Z thank you so much this has been an absolute pleasure um, honestly I love hearing your voice and just hearing your wisdom because I think you're full of it. And, um, you know, thank you for uh, giving me some of your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Leslie. And you know, your parents (laughs) are going to listen to this and actually understand every word because it's in English. So hola, mommy, daddy, night. We'll shout them out. (laughs) Uh, Appreciate that, no doubt. Thank you very much. Love ya. Zania Stewart, one of the many gifts basketball has given me throughout my career. We played together for two short years, and it's been five since we met each other on that bus that day. Once again, Z's story is like none other we've heard so far. She talked about the obstacles she had to face as a teenager growing up far away from home, the letters she used to write to her family, and the cultural differences she faced coming from Europe. Her journey wasn't easy, but she toughed it out, made friends, stayed positive, kept her eyes on the goal, got a college degree, played in the Olympic Games, and enjoyed a professional career in Europe. Not too shabby, Azania. Well, that's all for our first interview of 2020. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed Z's lovely British accent. I know I do. I'm Leslie Knight, and you're listening to Another Season in the Books.